we're able to unpack the truth of Scripture and what God really says about who you really are. And when you know who you really are, then you know what He's really done. You can walk in everything He's got for you. Isn't that amazing? There's a couple of things I want to I want to talk about today, but. I know you. I don't know what kind of format you guys are used to. If it's a kind of very, you know, formal or casual. But as you can see, I decided to go casual today. Um, mainly because we need to get away from this status quo. We need to get away from this religious mindset that information can only come through in a certain way. Because I've been taught by my own children about how good God is. We can learn from anything if we'll be available to learn. Now, I like orange. Orange is a cool color. I'm not from the free state, but I like them. They're good people. Recently, we were there. We were there in the free state, and it was amazing because I saw some awesome. You guys don't mind if I just share some testimonies? I mean, just give Jesus some praise. Is that good? We're in the free state, and I was just hanging out with some. Regular saints there, like you guys, saints. And um, we just went about doing good. So we found uh, we were on our way to a meeting that we were going to have. It was on a Saturday afternoon. And um, on our way there, we saw a guy walking along the side of the road, and he had these metal pins in his legs. How many of you have seen something like that? Okay, only two of you. Well, that's great. Am, am I speaking too softly? Do I need to speak louder? Can Can you guys hear me? Okay. Right, so, so how many of you have seen that? Only two people? Oh, okay. So there's more of you. Okay, that's good. So I'm a very interactive person. Um, and uh, that way you stay awake and I know you're actually listening, which is great. Yeah? Okay. So anyway, so we, we, we see this guy and I'm like, hey, 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 slow down, slow down. Pull over, pull over. So it's a long road and there's quite a lot of space to pull over, so it's quite convenient. So we pull over and I get out and I like, run up to this guy and I'm like, Bro, what happened to your leg? He's like, no, I, I broke it playing sports. So I'm like, oh man, that's awful. Well, well you know, um, are you in pain right now? So he says, yeah, yeah, it's sore, man. So I'm like, bro, how would you like your leg to be healed now? How would that, would that be awesome or what? So he's like, how are you going to do that? So I'm like, bro, let me just pray for you. The worst that can happen is you can get healed. So he's like, okay. Huh? And his friend's like, whatever. <laughs> I'm serious, man. I do this stuff all the time. Because it's who I am. It's because it's who Jesus was. So anyway, so about, I go down and I put my hand in his leg and I pray for him. And I get up and I say, okay. How's it feel? She says, no, I didn't feel anything. So I'm like, okay. Put some pressure on it. So he stands there and very carefully to put some weight on his leg and all of a sudden his face lights up and it's like he got hit by a truck <laughs> no ways and he starts walking on his leg without his crutch and he's completely pain free how amazing is that so he walks and he's like he gives his crutch to his friends and he's walking without the crutch because now he's got no more pain and he's completely healed isn't that amazing um, how many of you would like to see that happen in your life Now, do 
you have a desire and you see that, then here's, here's the problem. Many of us see people get success when they've walked a journey that most people aren't willing to walk. When they've gone through things that most people aren't willing to go through. And I'm not talking about sickness and disease. I'm talking about persecution and people coming against you all the time and trying to convince you that it's not true that God wants to do these things in your life. I'm telling you, the number one thing the prophets suffered was at the hands of their own people. The number one thing the prophets suffered was at the hands of their own people. And James encourages us to learn from their suffering. That we will learn endurance and patience. Why? Because love is first patient. Isn't it? You know we've lost complete track of the word patience. I mean words like patience and endurance is like foreign. Because we've got McDonald's, right? It's just drive through. Instant generation. Isn't it? Instant gratification. But anything that's worthwhile takes time. Who would agree with me? Anything that's worthwhile takes time. When the person who plays the instrument the nicest is the one who spent the most time with it. Isn't it? He knows, he knows how to use his instrument. He knows how to work that instrument, how to make it do things that most people don't know how to do because you spent the time to do it. Isn't that right? And what do we call that? We say practice makes perfect when it comes to the natural, but then we over-spiritualize spiritual things and we don't apply the same principle. And we try and fail and then we say, well, obviously God wasn't in it. When His Word clearly says that He is. What if it was true? Just hear me out. I propose to you this. What if it was true that when we were born again, we were born as babies? And we had everything we needed to do whatever God wanted us to, but we had to grow up into it. What if it was true? Because I can show you from Scripture, that's exactly the way Paul saw it. He spoke of the Corinthian church as babies, and he spoke of other churches as more mature. And he constantly said to people, don't make it that I have run in vain, for my whole purpose is that I will present you mature before the Father. So maturity is a big deal, because it means that when we mature, we operate out of the fullness of Jesus. The scripture says that you, my friend, every single one of you, male or female, child, slave or free, Greek, Hebrew, Gentile, black or white, pink or yellow, every single one of you, are, you have one purpose and that is to be conformed to the image of His Son. God chose it before the beginning that you would be just like Jesus. That was His choice, not mine, not yours, and I'm so happy for it. Because what you see right now is Jesus. Because He lives in me. What is an ambassador? Who knows what an ambassador is? An ambassador is someone who represents his kingdom. An ambassador goes to another kingdom and represents his kingdom. And he says what his kingdom says, not what he thinks. So he'll never give you a piece of his mind, but he'll give you a piece of his kingdom's mind. Because that is his job. 
So it's not my job to tell you what I think. It's my job to tell you what he thinks. So it's my job to be in his mind and not in yours and not in mine. Because if I give you a piece of my wisdom, or even if I give you a piece of your wisdom, then it's demonic. Because the Bible says that the wisdom of man is demonic. Because we're not psychological, we're supernatural beings. You cannot psychologize the human body. It's supernatural. What do you call a bag of dirt that God breathed into and man got up? Is that a natural process? How many of you can make that happen naturally? That's supernatural. God created us. And we were. The Bible says the Ruach of God breathed into man, into the clay that God had formed into a man, and pop up came man. And all you are is regular bags of dirt, just like me. And the only thing that makes me different and you different is the fact that God loves me so much that He had put Himself in me so that I could represent Him. Is this so foreign to you? Is this so far away that you think I'm out of my mind? Because if you do, you're right. I'm in His. And you can be too. Because He gave us His mind. He said, you have the mind of Christ. Who knows that? But yet we live as if it's still true that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has got prepared for us. It used to be true when man was void of the Spirit of God. But now that we have the Spirit of God living in us, just as our spirits are mindful of our thoughts, so God's Spirit is mindful of His. So if His Spirit lives in me, then I'm mindful of His thoughts because I have His Spirit. I can know what God knows because He wants me to know it. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God. So are you saying that Romans 2 is saying, I should know the will of God? Then why do we make out that God's will is a mystery? Does the Bible not say that the Holy Spirit knows all things? If the Holy Spirit knows all things, and it says, if you ask Him, He'll show you, right? He knows all things, and He'll tell you all things. He'll even tell you things to come. But we never access what we have, because we think we're being too arrogant. Yet, it's something God has said we can do. You know it's not arrogance to do what someone said you can do? In fact, I believe that the body of Christ largely suffers from spiritual amnesia. Somewhere along the line, and we bumped our head on religion or something. Do you know why? We've forgotten who we are. And we've been intimidated by the world. We've been intimidated by the devil. When he's supposed to be under our feet, we've given him the time of day. Where are we seated if we are in Christ? In him, in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers and rulers of this world. Are you above them or under them? So if you're in Him, far above all these things, then why do you act sometimes like you're under them? I'll tell you why. Because you don't know who you are. Because you're suffering from spiritual amnesia. You don't know what God has really done, the fullness of it. You know maybe a part of it, but you don't know the fullness of it. And because of that, your ignorance causes you to stumble. That's why what is written is this. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. But you know what's more dangerous than that? Is the next verse. The very next line says, my, for my people reject knowledge. Don't reject knowledge when it comes your way. 
Because then it's all your fault. Jesus said that if we want to bear good fruit, we have to be good trees. Isn't that right? So a good tree will bear what? Good fruit. And a bad tree will bear bad fruit. You can't expect a bad tree to bear good fruit. Right? And you can't expect a good tree to bear bad fruit. Isn't it? Okay. But now what we focus on, the word we hear is fruit. We keep hearing fruit and we forget all about tree. Think tree. The tree must change, not the fruit. Because the fruit is a byproduct of the tree. It's about being the good tree, not about trying to become a bad tree that bears good fruit. What, are, you, are you getting me? Like most people act like this is how trees bear fruit. Urgh, apples. Can you get a fig from a thistle? Can you get thistles from figs? Maybe a prickly pear. Messes up the whole analogy. Are you hearing me? You see, you've got to change a tree, and that was Jesus' whole goal. He was trying to explain something. Many people have used this one thing. They've said that we need to be in a new wineskin. Who's ever heard about that? The wineskin whole thing. Okay. Now listen to me carefully. When Jesus was talking about this, he was talking about the same thing he was talking about when he was talking about being new, being born again. Okay? He said, because you do not take a new patch and put it on an old garment, for it will tear away. Why? That means a human being cannot be fixed. He needs to die. So God can resurrect him and make him brand new. You cannot put new wine in an old wineskin. You need to make a new wineskin. God had to recreate us. He needed to make us brand new. That's why the born again experience is not about a fix up job. It's not a patch up job. It's not trying to fix you. It's there to make you brand new and if you don't die you're not new and as long as you're alive he isn't you need to die so you so that he can live he said give up your lower life so that i can give you my higher life watch this if i hold this bottle and you give me something else i cannot take it until i let go of this bottle you cannot hold both the one seat is a victim seat and the other one is a victory seat. The one puts you above all things, the other one keeps you below all things. You get to choose which way you want to go. Where do you want to be? Who would want the higher life? You see, when people say lay down your life, immediately you think you've got to give up everything. And yes, you do. But everything is not such a big deal because what God's got for you is much greater than what you have. So, did God Himself got over all of us, didn't He? All our sin and everything, He got over all of us. So why don't you just get over yourself? The Bible says that we are ministers of reconciliation. That means we're here to preach the good news that God is not angry with the world. That He is not counting men's sins against them. But that He has reconciled all men back to Himself through His Son. So that we can all be adopted as sons into the kingdom. This is the gospel. Go with me to, one, to Romans 1, please. You do have your Bibles. And yes, I am speaking from the Bible. 
Because it's in me. It's part of who I am. I can speak the whole time and not open my Bible once because I know exactly what Holy Spirit has taught me. Trust me. The guys who are here will tell you there's a lot of stuff that the Bible teaches that people are unaware of. If you think the Bible is, a, is just a story, you're sadly mistaken. The Bible is not a story. The Bible's stories are there to show you examples of who you are. Okay, Romans 1, verse 16. Normally people get there after me, but today it'll be the other way around. Now, one thing I've learned is how to read my Bible slowly, upside down while I'm praying in tongues. Because the mind is so fast, we have tippics on, and we just read over the words we don't understand. Or we take for granted that we understand them, which is even more dangerous. So watch this. Paul's writing this to the Roman church, and he says, For I am not ashamed. What does it mean to be ashamed? Hmm? It means to be ashamed. You guys understand the word, right? Like when you have shame. Like when someone does something and you don't want to be associated with that person. Now, why is Paul not ashamed? Because I know most Christians don't even mention that they're Christian at work. It's like, Double seven Christianity is not good. If there's no difference between you and your work colleague, you've got to ask, why would the word world want what you have when you're no different to them? If you freak out when they freak out, why would they want what you have? When you react just the, way this, just the same way as they do, why would they want what you have? They already have that. You have nothing to offer. Jesus did not react the way the world reacted because he did not operate according to the wisdom of man. He operated according to the wisdom of God because God was with him. And God is with you. Do you understand that? You see, your life, your whole life, the very thing, this body, which is not really you, because you're a spirit that has a soul that just lives in this body. This thing, all it is is a billboard for Jesus. A very, very high-tech billboard with fancy lights and purple and orange shirts and funny toe shoes. The Bible says that I should let my light shine bright before all men. This is the brightest thing I could find. Just kidding. Listen. What does it mean to shine your light in the darkness? That means not to be part of the darkness, isn't it? Okay, what's more powerful, darkness or light? Does the Bible say that God is light or does it say that God is darkness? Okay, and it also says that God is love. So would you agree if I say that love and light are the same when it comes to God? And then it's the same when it comes to you. Jesus said, while I'm here, I'm the light of the world, but I must leave so you will be the light of the world. A light needs to go on a hill so that people can see it. Not be put under a bushel. But many people act like basket case Christians. Come on, guys. 
I'm just trying to show you something here. Because at the end of the day, if people say, people say to me, well, people will see that I'm a Christian, so I don't have to say anything. And I'm okay with that. As long as when the situation comes up and you react differently, they can see Jesus in you. Because if you don't, then you're lying. Because when you squeeze a Christian, what should come out? The devil or Jesus? When the guy cuts you off in traffic, who should come out? Oh, a little bit close to home. When the guy just skips the robot right in front of you and you know that could have been a major accident and you, all you've got to say is bad things about that guy. But you don't know that that guy might be going through something and he's not even thinking about the robot and the devil's about to take him out. And instead of praying for him because you're hurting for him, you're praying against him because you want him to stop doing what he's doing. Do you know the only purpose for your existence right here, right now is to represent the kingdom? The only reason mercy wakes you up in the morning is so that you can be like Jesus. Because none of us deserve what we got. It was all free. Don't ever forget that if we all got what we deserved, we'd all be going to hell. The Bible says that God has, God has made up His mind that everyone is under sin so that He could redeem all men. Not one is righteous. No, not one. Not one seeks for God. No, not one. It's written. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. The word all, as I explained to the DHTs, means in the Greek all. Every time. All the time. Everywhere. All. It's one word we don't like very much because it's all inclusive. And it means that we don't have a way out. Let me tell you something. You're here today, and Holy Spirit will not let you get away from what I'm saying. I declare it every time. Holy Spirit will not let you get away from what I'm saying. You will walk out of this place, and I don't care how far you run, He will hunt you down, because the gospel is too important, and people are suffering, and you need to be a light in the world. It's enough. Time to shine, people. You see, you can come under condemnation, or you can realize that all I'm doing is bringing conviction so that you can shine. All I'm saying is take the basket off. I'm not saying keep it on. Are you with me? I'm not saying give up on it. Because that would be silly. That would be a sad day for you. I'm saying take it off and shine. Because he's with you. So what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Man? The Bible says don't be afraid of man who can only kill you. Like that's the end of the world. But be afraid of the one who can destroy even the soul. The fear of God is the wisdom of all things. It's the beginning of wisdom, the Bible says. Isn't it? Now when it's talking about fear, there, it's not talking about being scared. It's talking about having an awe and a respect for God. That He's bigger than anything else. So that if Joe is telling you to do one thing and you know it's wrong and God says another thing, you know who to listen to. Isn't it? You guys getting something out of this? Okay, good. So, I just, I just read the first part. Isn't that awesome? Don't be ashamed. Oh my goodness. You see how slow I read my Bible? I'm very slow. On purpose. I'm not ashamed of what? The gospel. The gospel. 
But the gospel, Mark. No one wants to hear the gospel, Mark. Everyone has heard it already and everyone doesn't want to hear it, Mark. They just want to shut you down. You know why? Because you don't live a life that lines up with it. People are tired of lip service. They want to see the reality of it. They want to see the reality of it. Listen, guys, in my own workplace, people can't help but change because they see the light shine. I don't hold back, man. I'm full on. I'm full contact. Gospel is a full contact sport. Come on, you guys like that stuff, don't you? See, I don't play rugby. I play gospel. Oh, every day. All the time. And the only one that switches this thing off is me. God is always on, man. He's game on all the time. He is so, so, so willing to be with you wherever you go. The things you use to disqualify yourself are all set up by the devil to disqualify you. None of them are from God. Because Jesus paid for it from beginning to end. All the way. He qualifies you. Not you. Not your good works. In fact, those good works are dead works. And the Bible says repent. Repent from dead works. Do you know that the law was given not to save man? How many, how many of you know the law was given not to save man? Do you know that Abraham never even had the law? And he was called a friend of God. Have you ever thought of that? Abraham never had the law and he was called a friend of God and God accredited to him righteousness. Because why? Because he believed. Because he believed. His faith was in action in this, that even when he had his son and God said, take your son up. Now let's think about what happens here. I mean, this is a very, very intense, crazy situation. God is telling Abraham to go and kill his only son, the son of promise, the one through which Jesus would eventually be born. After waiting so long, he has to go up this mountain. And listen, his boy wasn't too young. He was old enough to get away. He had to be just as obedient to his father, to following up. You know the problem with living sacrifices? Is that they always want to get off the altar when the fire gets turned on. Romans 12.1 I beseech you, brothers, before God. And then Paul is begging. He is on his knees. That you present your lives a living sacrifice before God. Does it sound like selfish living? Does it sound like getting your own way? Does it sound like getting what you want? Does it sound like that? Well, if you got into Christianity for those reasons, you're in for the wrong reason. Because love does not insist on its own way. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Who are we? Who do we think we are to keep a record of wrongs against someone else when we know the record of wrongs that was dismissed on our behalf? The Bible says we love because we were first loved. So should you not forgive because you've been forgiven so much? What does it help you to walk in bitterness and in envy and in strife with people? What does it benefit you to be upset and angry and have opinions of people and judge them? What does it help you? I know you've tried it. Is it working for you? Is it really good? Like, are you so excited? Because I know it's not exciting. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt, hated it. 
It's not this one. This one's a better one. It's a new one. Every morning, I wake up and I'm more righteous than I was the day before because I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I was telling Mark, in the last couple of months, I've become completely unconscious of sin. I do not have a sin issue to deal with. Sin was dealt with at the cross. And it's about time we get over it. Jesus paid for it. You have got victory over sin already because you've died to it. So consider yourself dead to it and walk away from it. Because it's not who you are. If anything controls you, if anything is your vice, let it go. It cannot be your master because you are king of everything. Who do you think the kings and the lords are that Jesus is king over and lord over? Pete Pompis. You guys know who Pete Pompis is, right? This is my South African background coming through. Or Joe Bloggs, isn't it? <laughs> are you hearing me? At the end of the day, the life you live is very, very important. The Bible says, live lives worthy of your calling. Doesn't it say that? Okay, so, let's move on. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. For it, what is it? The gospel is the power of God. Oh, look there. If we want more power, we need to know better gospel. We need to preach the gospel. Isn't that right? Am I reading it right? The gospel? So hold on. If I'm ashamed of the gospel, then I'll be void of the power of God. Oh, oh my goodness. Did you see that? Come on, guys. That is straightforward. Like, it's there. I'm not even going intense here. This is just straightforward. So, if this is true, then if you want the power of God to work in your life, you have to not be ashamed, even if you look like a fool. Because I'll be a nut for Jesus as long as he's the bolt any day. Why is it that people can scream and shout from pavilions for sports teams, but if I get excited about Jesus, there's a problem? Oh no, Mark, you've got to be reverent, you know. Come on, man. Do you think Jesus and God is lame? Do you think they're lame sitting up in heaven going, Well, you better be reverent, son. Do you really think so? Are you really serious about that? Because Jesus rejoiced. He jumped up and down. He said, Thank you, Father, that the simple-minded people have gotten the revelation that you've united all men back into you. He rejoiced. Whoa, how reverent was that? How reverent was David dancing through the streets naked? Because God was so good. How reverent was that? Now, I'm not going to do that. But I'm trying to point something out. Only porcelain faces don't smile. And the time, listen, look at this. Right? Do you want to follow this example? Is this the kind of thing you want to follow? Okay. So if you don't want to follow it, why would the world? 
The day you got saved, the day you made the decision to be in the kingdom, the devil painted a red target on you to stop you from being who God says you are. Because the last thing he needs is another Jesus walking around. Last time that happened, he got his butt severely kicked. Do you know the Bible says that if the, the rulers of this world, being the spiritual forces, if they had known that by crucifying Jesus, they would release the power of God to all who would believe, they would never have done it. God sent in a royal ambush, man, and it was Jesus. Because all the devil knows is kill, still and destroy. It's his character and nature. Jesus said the devil is a liar. He's been a liar from the beginning and all he knows is how to lie. So why would you listen to him? Does Jesus say, did he say my sheep will hear my voice? Does he say that? Did he say that the stranger's voice they will not follow? Does that mean that the stranger doesn't have a voice? It means the stranger has a voice, but they won't hear it. They will not obey it. Because it's strange. And the only way the stranger's voice becomes strange is if you renew your mind to what God says about who you are. So that you can identify when the enemy is trying to get you to deny who God says you are. Because it's always been about identity from the beginning, from Genesis all the way to Revelations. It's about who you are in Him. And He only has one chance, and that's to get you to deny what God says about you. That's all. What does God say about you? Is this an important question? You are created in holiness and true righteousness. You are the same, listen, if you are the righteousness of Christ, that means you're the same as Jesus. If as He is, so are you. You're the same as Jesus. Now watch this. It's not as He was. It's as He is. Is Jesus glorified right now? Then He's glorified in you. Because this is the mystery of the gospel. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So that we always have a hope. Because we have the glory of God with us wherever we go. Come on, man. This is so amazing. You don't understand how much God loves you. God loved the world that hated Him so much that He gave. God practiced 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 because it's who He is. God is patient and kind. Many people have this perception of God that He's constantly out looking for a reason to smack you over the head. You are worshipping the wrong God. Repent. Believe the true God who is for you and not against you. Who has even given up everything with His Son so that you could be part of who He is. That is how much He loves you. And every single one of you, every single one, from the youngest to the old, have the same Holy Spirit. Not a junior Holy Spirit. Not a little Holy Spirit. Not, not a portion of Holy Spirit, but the whole Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? Does God subdivide Holy Spirit? <laughs> That'd be kind of weird. It's twisted. It's wrong. Elevating one person more than another? It's wrong. The Bible says outdo one another in honoring one another. Encourage one another. Spur one another on. Do you know that Jesus described the model of the church when he said, It will not be with you as it is amongst the Gentiles, where they rule it over one another, but you will submit one to another, and the greatest among you will be 
the greatest servants. For even the Son of Man did not come into the earth to be served, but to serve even to the point of death. Wow. Even to the point of death. The Bible says Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. Did Jesus suffer sickness and disease? Once. Recorded. Even a snot nose. Once. Recorded. No. Nothing. Because wherever he went, he set people free. Isn't it true? So it would be kind of weird, right, if he did such miraculous things, had a 100% success rate. Now the reason why Jesus could not get touched by sickness and disease was because he was a life-giving spirit. And if you want to know more about that, make sure you get the audios from this last teaching. Oh yeah, and you are too. You are a life-giving spirit. But you see, we get to choose what we want to be. Because we were born into Adam, into the flesh. And we have to be born again into the Spirit. And we can either live in the column that says sin and death, or we can live in the column that says the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's up to you. The one is accessed by faith. The other one you're born into. The other one you're born into by faith. Are you with me? Okay, so let's carry on. We're getting there, eh? Isn't this awesome? One verse. So the power of God unto salvation. This word salvation here, do you guys know what it means? It's the word salteria in the Greek. It's also, there's another synonym to it, it's called sozo. And it means to be healed, delivered, provided for, protected, and snatched from a life-threatening event. Oh, you mean the gospel covers everything? Yes, it does. Relationships, finances, healing, protection, the whole package. It's all there. When people come to me with relationships problems, I just preach the gospel. Because the fundamental problem is that they're not manifesting love and they're not manifesting who they are. They've fallen into the trap of believing something about themselves that's not true. We bring them back to the gospel. Because you see, how can two people who are love fight with one another? How can it happen? If I'm patient and kind and long-suffering and I don't insist on my own way, how's that going to happen? Come on, go study 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4. Go study it out. That's who you are. Because God is love and He created you in His image and likeness. 1 Genesis 26 and 27. That means you're the same quality, the same quantity as God. His plan, not mine. Don't look at me like that. I'm just a messenger. Remember? Billboard. He loves you very much because you're just like Him. You see, God loved you so much that He was willing to pay anything to redeem you back to what He created you to be in the first place. Love. That's why the knowledge of good and evil would mess Adam and Eve up because the knowledge of good and evil makes you aware of judgment. And love covers a multitude of sins. The Bible constantly says to us, do not judge and when it says that, it's saying, do not make final judgment about someone. It's not talking about, do not discern, which is a different word. Do you understand? And when it says judge, it says judge with righteous judgment. Jesus said, I do not judge, and even if I judge, I judge with righteous judgment. 
What is righteous judgment? I'm not judging for myself. I'm judging based on what God says. Righteous judgment. Not for my own gain, but because He says so. Are you with me? And what is the righteous judgment that Jesus brought? Jesus judged the enemy of God and set free the captives, you and me. Because God judged in favor of us. So who am I to judge against you when my Father has judged in favor of you? Seriously, guys, come on. The person that assaults you, the person that verbally abuses you, there is something behind that person wanting to destroy you, wanting you to assume an identity that you're not. What if he touched you and you acted like Jesus and he thought maybe next time I shouldn't touch him again? You see, you don't understand the power that's in you. You don't understand how powerful this is. So let me give you an example. Is that okay? Are you guys good so far? I'm not wearing you out. Awesome. Good. Because I've still got lots to go. Okay. So watch this. I've shared this with the DHCs and I think it's going to help you as well. A while ago, my bag got stolen. Everything in it got stolen. And I don't believe in things getting stolen. And there's, there's many ways to deal with things that happen in your life. But a lot of people just freak out. Oh, it's this country. Oh, it's the politics. Oh, and then you start to hate people. And you start to see people as the robber. And you're on a slippery slope on a bad road. That is not who we are. For me to maintain a position of love towards those people, I need to not go down that road. Don't you agree? So what I chose to do was to phone every single person I needed to for my cards to be cancelled. And to preach the gospel to them over the phone. God gave us words of knowledge. People got healed over the phone. They got set free. And for the first time they heard the gospel. And it was all the devil's fault. Because he dared to touch me. You see what happens when Jesus comes out. The devil thinks next time I touch him. Maybe it will be even worse. Maybe I shouldn't touch him. We should teach him not to touch us. Because we are the holy people of God. We sang these songs today, right? We sang about how holy God is. But do you know that He's created you in righteousness and true holiness? You're just as holy as He is. The word holy means to be whole, to be lacking nothing. You're just as holy as God is in your spirit. Which is why your mind needs to be renewed so that holiness can manifest itself in your life. Because it's who you are. It's about being a good tree. Are you with me? Being a good tree. And then fruit will grow. Keep yourself steadfast in the grace of God. Are you with me? Come on, man. This is good. This will protect you. And it will set you free. And it will help you shine your light even in the darkest place. But let me tell you something. When it's darkest, the smallest light is brightest. Don't underestimate the power of your light. Tell me, can you switch the darkness on? So when light goes on, what happens to darkness? It goes away. Isn't it? Which means, if I've got this right, you always win. Because you're the light of the world. <laughs> Come on. God has set you up for victory. And he set the devil up for failure because he put you here. Did you hear me? 
You see, you think that you're here and the devil's going to stomp you until you get to heaven one day. But actually, you're here to stomp the devil. To stomp hell for a living. To set the record straight. Mankind is not weak. We are the sons and daughters of God. That's what he says. Go read Galatians 3 and 4. For as many as believed upon him, and what in John says, For as many as believed on him, he gave them the power to be the sons of God. It's not my opinion. So let's carry on. Shall we? So salvation is an all-package deal. So you can see why Paul was so not ashamed of it. Most people are ashamed of the gospel because they don't know what it is. The gospel primarily, by the way, is almost too good to believe good news. So if you're sitting there and you're going, this is almost too good to believe, I'm doing my job right. Yeah. Jesus. He's amazing. And he loves every one of you so much. So much so that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. People say, you don't know what they said. You don't know what they did to me. And I say, you don't know what he did for you. If you had a revelation of what he did for you, it wouldn't matter what they've done to you. Because you're dead. And it's him who lives in you now. Give it up already. Stop letting the past be today. Stop letting yesterday come into your present. Because the kingdom is now. Now, 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 every moment, every day, now, 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 now. Should I carry on? To the power of God unto salvation to everyone that what? Now you see, this word believe here has been largely misunderstood. Because it says they believe, and most people that think, thinks that means that if you just reckon that Jesus dying on the cross and being raised again for you is a good idea, then that means to believe. And that's not what that word is saying. It means to be fully convinced that what he did was finished. And the product of that is in your life because you now live it out. Fully convinced. Fully convinced. Do you understand there's a difference? Some people just believe. Like, oh yeah, Jesus was on the earth. Okay, I believe that. But they're not fully convinced of what He did for them. That it's true for them. Are you with me? So you need to be fully convinced. Fully convinced. That Jesus did not say on the cross to be continued. But that He said it was finished. And as you become more convinced of that, you'll see what happens next. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. So he's talking about cross-denomination, cross-nation, cross-gender, cross-everything. Right? Next verse. For therein, in what? Therein, which means in this. In what? The gospel. Right? So therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. What are you talking about? From one faith to another faith. Are you with me? From faith to faith, as it is written, the just 
shall live by faith. Do you see it doesn't say the just shall live by the law? It says the just shall live by faith. And let me tell you something. Did Jesus ever violated the, violate the law? So, according to the law, should the woman who was caught in adultery, should she have been stoned or not? So why did Jesus not stone her? Was he violating the law? You see, he wasn't operating in the letter of the law. He was operating in the spirit of the law. Are you with me? Jesus showed her mercy. Because he was under the law of liberty. Because Jesus manifested love. Are you with me? He was love made manifest. He was the example of who we are today. He's the blueprint for your life. Anything you do not find in the life of Jesus should not be in your life. If you want perfect theology, look to Jesus. He is the audiovisual example of what you're supposed to look like. Snap. You see, God knew that words wasn't going to be enough. He needed to give an example of what it would look like. For God to be on the planet and do what He really wanted to. You see, how many of you are parents? If your children are ill, would you do anything to trade places with them? Only a few of you. Okay. Oh, they're all out there. Wow. So, so all of you would, would trade places with your children on a dime if they're going through something. And do you, do you think that's because you love them? Then you tell me, why is it that we regard God so, so low that we don't even think He would do that for us, when in fact He did when He sent His Son? Jesus traded places with us. He traded places. Do you know it says He bore our sins? He bore our sicknesses and our diseases. So that we wouldn't have to. That's what it says. Jot these down. Isaiah 53, Psalm 103, 1 Peter 2.24, Matthew 8.14, and 1, yeah, 1 Peter 2.24. I've already said that one, eh? Yeah, okay. Those there are the texts. You can get the audio and get it if you didn't get it fast enough. It's got a handful of texts, isn't it? And they all talk about... The fact that Jesus bore our sicknesses and our diseases and our sins at the same time. Do you know why? Because sin allowed death to come into the world. So where does all the death come from? From sin. And we're not talking about action, the verb sin. We're talking about the noun, the thing sin. Who do you think that is? That's right. So, the devil brought death into this world because Adam gave him access. And through one man's disobedience, death spread to all men. But through one man's obedience, Jesus Christ, life and righteousness will spread to all men. Because even though the body might be dying because of sin, 
It's alive because of righteousness. For the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will quicken your physical, mortal body. Romans 8. Go read it. It's all good. Are you with me? Okay? So here's the deal, guys. All right? We need to understand how Jesus lived. We need to have the same mind that he had. What was his motivation? What was his method? Because if we're going to give up our lives, we need to know his life. Isn't it? Now, the Spirit of God, at the time when you're born again, these guys are playing with my sound. Bless them, Jesus. Get him, Holy Ghost. Okay, so what you've got to understand is that the Bible constantly, Paul's saying, let us have the same mind that was in Christ. That even though he found himself to be as God, he did not count being God something to be grasped. But instead, he laid down his life and took on the form of sinful flesh and became obedient even to the point of death. So what did he do? Even though he found himself in form as God, he chose to lay it all down. Because Jesus loved us. Come on. And if we understand this one thing, that we are here to be love, if we can understand this, then you will understand that that's the same mode of operation that we should have. Now just go to 1 Peter Go to 1 Peter 24. So righteousness is made available through the gospel, not through the law. Do you see that? That's very, very important. Because many people get stuck in law keeping. And law keeping does not save anyone. The Bible says whoever lives according to the law is under a curse. And it's the only way you can get cursed is if you begin to live under the law. So if you feel that you're cursed... Stop living under the law, come under the gospel, and you won't be cursed anymore. Pretty cool, yeah? Awesome. All right, 1 Peter 2, let's read verse 21, sorry. Oh, sorry, let's go from 18. Sorry, let's go from 18, it'll be better. Just so you can get some context, okay? Okay. So it says here, Servants, be submissive to your mother with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. So what is he saying to the servants? Now these servants are born again. So he's telling them to endure their master's punishment. Why? Because their example is going to speak to their masters, and the masters are not going to understand why is this servant like this. And his life is going to become a living epistle. That's going to sway his master to come into the gospel. And when his master comes into the gospel, Holy Spirit will convict him to let his slaves go. Now people have read that and said, oh, it's good to have slaves. No, it's not. Okay? What, Paul, what Peter is writing here is he's saying, show them your fruit. Show them your tree. Be fruity. Be... Truly fruity. Okay? Alright. So watch this. For this is commendable. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering, and... Um, sorry. Grief, suffering, wrongfully. 
For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer it, sorry, when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. So what he's saying is, if you go and you rob somebody, and then they beat you up, that's your own fault. That's not suffering for the gospel. You see that? But when you go and you suffer for the gospel, well, that's a different story altogether. Okay? So make sure that when you are being persecuted or suffering, like someone beating you up or something like that, that it's because of the gospel, not because you're being a ninny. Not because you're being arachat. Okay? You understand what I'm saying? This is very important because this is the only suffering the Bible talks about that Christians should endure. And I'm telling you now, sickness and disease, financial deprivation, all those things are not things that the Bible promises that we will suffer. Now, if it's because of persecution, if the banks persecute all of us and take our money away, great. You with me? Because that's fine. That's persecution for the gospel. If they say, we won't pay you because you're preaching the gospel, great. That's suffering for the gospel. God will look after you. Because who's your provider? Who's your provider? I mean, either we're convinced God is our provider or we really actually have our faith in our boss. And by the way, you do know that you work a whole month by faith that your boss will pay you. You do know that, right? He doesn't pay you and then you work. Interesting, isn't it? Oh, and I don't know if I have so much faith. You've got more faith than you know. You just put it in the wrong stuff. Faith is not the problem. Where you put it is the problem. And when you take it out is the problem. And where you keep it is the problem. That's the problem. You've got faith right now. You're sitting in a chair. You believe the chair will hold you up. You don't have no scum about it. You don't, I'm trying to not slip. Faith is not this. It's not, oh, please God, do this thing. Faith is, thank you, Father. I know it's done. It's a settling down, not a mustering up. Smith Wigglesworth said it like this. God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. You've got to settle it, just like you settled the chair will hold you up. I'm sure when you came in here this morning, you didn't think, I wonder if this chair will hold me. Right? You'd settled it. The first time you sat down and it held you, you were like, okay, it's done. Isn't it? You guys getting me here. I mean, people fly airplanes. They put their trust in a pilot. I don't. When I fly, when I fly, those people are the safest because nothing happens to me. Even if angels have to carry me, that plane's not going down. It's awesome. I've settled it. I don't, on takeoff go, I hope we take off and don't crash. I've seen people. It's like, dude, it's okay. I'm here. It's fine. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I'm serious. I've done it. Like this one person was freaking out. I said, listen, bro, don't calm down. Don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. I'm here. It's good. And he looked at me like, what do you mean? I said, I'm a minister of the gospel. Nothing's going to happen to me. I need to go where I'm going. Paul did the same thing. He said, because of me, you will all be spared. Boom. What happened to Paul on the Isle of Patmos? 
wasn't sorry, not the Isle of Patmos. When he was when he was trapped on that island, I can't, call, uh, can't remember its name right now. And the snake bit him. You all guys know the story about the snake. Did did Paul go? I bind you. Did he do that? Because he got bits, or did he just go? I got places to go. Let's get going. Come on, man. He was secure that he was going somewhere. Why did Paul not calm the storm? Have I asked the question? You guys okay out there? Are you enjoying this? Good. Because the Holy Ghost is so awesome. The truth comes in like a knife. Cuts you deep. And you don't get away from it. Every single one of you here will never get away from what I'm saying. You will be marked forever. You will, you will lay awake at night going, I can't believe his voice is still in my head. And you can love me or hate me. It's okay. I don't find my acceptance in whether you accept me. I find my acceptance in him. And so I'm free from you. I'm free to love you. Irrespective of how you treat me. And if you hurt me, I will never pray because you hurt me. I will pray because I'm hurting for you. Because he loves you. And you just don't know who you are. We need to change the way we work. We need to make the devil realize that we are sons and daughters of God and we're taking this thing seriously. So why didn't Paul calm the storm? I mean, Jesus calmed the storm, didn't he? But if Jesus was never woken up, do you think he would have calmed the storm? How do you sleep in a storm? Hmm. One bad enough where the disciples are freaking out. Jesus, we're going to drown. Can you imagine that? The chaos, the waves, everything is on top of you. And Jesus just gets up. He's like, peace. I believe that if Jesus was never woken up, he would have continued to sleep right through that storm and nothing would have happened to him because God was with him and there was only one time he was going to die when he chose to lay down his life. Jesus said, no one takes my life. I lay it down. And I've been given the power to lay it down and to take it up again. See, people think that martyrs are weak, but martyrs lay their lives down. They choose to lay their lives down. Because they know in resurrection, they'll take it up again. Come on, man. Got to stop thinking so finite. Today and tomorrow is not all there is. Well, if I can get you into today and tomorrow, most people are on yesterday all the time. So that's a different thing. Okay, are you with me? There's eternity, guys. Forever. With an Afrikaans accent. Forever. All tight. <laughs> forever. And we live for what? Exactly. We live forever, but we live right now for what? What are we living for? What, for a job? For a nine to five? We barely make enough to cover our needs and come home and spend one hour with our children. Wow, you're doing so well. Bravo. I'm really proud of all of you. It's really good. 
Come on. Is that the life that God wants for us? But yet when it comes to the kingdom, when someone lays their life down for the kingdom and their family might suffer because of it, everyone's up in arms about it because, you know, you're supposed to put your, your family first and you're wrong. You're supposed to put the kingdom first and His righteousness and then all these things will be added unto you. Because too, for too long have we listened to the wisdom of man when we should be listening to the wisdom of God. Do you really think God will not look after you and your family when you put Him first in your life? What do we think of Him? Is he that untrustworthy? Is he that fallible? I mean, it's not like he's God or anything, right? What did Paul say to those who were betrothed? He said, stay betrothed, but remember that the time is near. Run hard, run fast. I wish that you all be like me. What did, Paul ran the hardest. Listen, have you heard of burnout? Well, what you're looking at is burn on. I will never burn out. Because I will burn brighter and stronger. And the more that happens to me, the more fuel you add to me. Because the stronger I go. We go through trials all the time. But I count it all joy. Because I know that at the end, I will be stronger. That's what 1 James says. I mean, James 1, sorry. James 1 says that. It says, if you count it all joy, because you know... That the testing of your faith will produce endurance, and endurance, when it has its perfect work, will make you perfect and lacking nothing. Who wants to be perfect and lacking nothing? Then you need to learn how to take the things that happen in your life and turn them around. Okay, let me give you an example. Are you guys okay with an example for this? Right, I gave you one just now. But one that just happened yesterday. Let me give you one that just happened yesterday. Because see, it happens all the time. And how you deal with it is very, very important. My daughter at home, goes into a room where nothing ever goes wrong, ever. There's, n there's nothing harmful in that room. There's nothing dangerous in that room. She's about to close the door and a gush of wind comes through the window and slams her finger into the door. You tell me whether that's coincidence while I'm preaching this gospel. Her fingertip gets split in two. Down the side. I get a call just before the healing service last night. She, they've rushed her to the doctor to go, try and stop the bleeding. They're freaking out. It's fine. It's where they're at. And I'm seeing people get healed every day. And I'm thinking, doctor, you're serious. <laughs> I just pray for her. It's going to be over. But by the time they phone me, they're already there. Because they know if they phone me, I'm going to stop them. So anyway, they get there. It's all fine. It's all good. They get there, and the doctor wants to charge 840 rand for an x-ray, and he wants to charge 600 rand for consultation. Otherwise, he's not going to do anything, and she's staying there bleeding. Well done, doctor. Awesome. Really proud of you. It's great news. So that's fine, right? So we get that done, and they botch up on the x-ray, etc., etc. And then they start telling my wife, no, my daughter needs this operation, and it's going to cost so much money. Otherwise, her finger won't set properly, and blah, blah, blah. My goodness me. Just fear. Just coming, gripping her. And she's like, no, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. I will not accept this. Okay? She's strong. That's why I love her. She keeps me on track. So then, 
Later on in the evening, I found out that my friend, Kevin, went to the hospital and he went to go speak to the doctor to find out what was going on. And the report was completely different. The report was, no, we just wanted to make sure that she recovers the best way that she can. Which basically means we just wanted to make money. Right? So then he speaks to this doctor and he tells the doctor, listen, we trust God. Because that's how we operate. We trust God. Look, I'm not putting this on you, okay? This is where I'm at. Okay? So you understand me. I'm not saying don't go to doctors. Listen, I did not say don't go to doctors. If you want to go to a doctor, go to a doctor. That's your business. I'm telling you what happened to me. Okay? Alright? I'm not giving you medical advice. I am not giving you medical advice. Okay? Right. So... This happens. And Kevin tells the doctor, we pray for the sick all the time. And he shares a couple of testimonies. The guy's like, no way. Are you kidding me? And he's like, dude, seriously. He's like, well, there's this lady here. She's in pain. She's about to abort or miscarriage her two, her two twins. Can you pray for her? He's like, bring it. Let's go. Because that's the kind of people we are, man. So he goes in there. And he was sharing this testimony with me last night. And it was awesome. Because he goes in there. He takes this woman by the hand. And immediately the pain leaves her. And now those children will be born without any problem. And the nurse was there to see it. So the doctor comes back and says, what happened? And the nurse said, no, he touched her, the pain left her. And this guy is blown away. He cannot understand what just happened. And you know what? Kevin would not have been there praying for this woman had it not been that the enemy tried to touch me. He should stop touching me. That's what happens when you have people around you who know who they are. You're able to fight back immediately and bring it home. Because the enemy is relentless and he's looking for a way to get in. And he, all he wants is to steal, kill and destroy. And if you don't stop him, he will do it. And just because someone can get into your house doesn't mean they're allowed to be there. A thief is a thief not because he has permission. Because he doesn't have permission. He has ability, but you have authority over his ability. Do you understand that? So do you understand how this thing is now being turned around? I prayed for my daughter over the phone last night. She slept fine. This morning, she'll be fine. There's only one outcome. Complete healing. Done. I practice this in my life. It's who I am. The power of God is not limited. It is unlimited. If he could create her, he could make her new. You know that Abraham had settled it in his heart that even if God had to raise his son from the ashes, he could do it. And the Bible says that technically his son was raised from the dead. Isn't that amazing? Man, that's good stuff. So every single one of you have got the same power in you to do exactly the same thing that I'm doing. You have the same Holy Spirit. All you need to do is take what the Word says, apply it in your life, and walk it out. And don't stop no matter what. Because either this thing is completely true, or it's completely a lie. And you should either be in or out. You should either gather or scatter. But it's up to you. The Gospel demands 100%, not 10, not 20 not 50, not 60. You're in or you're out. It's up to you. Jesus, in fact, said, a lukewarm person, I will vomit out. 
It's not that difficult. It's good in the kingdom. It's good. When you think it's bad, you have a wrong idea of who God is. I said this to Mark this morning. I said, free people will free people. Because hurt people hurt people. And then they blame God. Be a free person. And free others. Be free to love because you're already accepted and you don't need acceptance from them. It'll shine so bright, it'll burn their eyes. It's like the light that draws the moth. You know? Can't avoid it. Keep flying around it, eventually... Gone. Okay. So, look, I know we've... Okay, let's carry on here. Okay, let's just quickly finish this up because I think it's good. Okay. For this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Is it what I just said? Oh my goodness! Holy Ghost is awesome. It's there. In black and white. Right here. In my Bible. (laughs) I get to follow his pattern. Did you see what it says? It says, for this you were called. Who's, who's you? Who's, who's you? You or me? Or you, or you, is it you? Am I you or you? you? Who's you? You and me. We're all called, isn't it? So for this, called because Christ so suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Wow. Isn't that awesome? Guys, this is very, very important. The next verse is going to blow your mind. Oh, not that this one didn't. But. Well, watch this. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges rightly who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might have, might live for righteousness, and by whose stripes we are healed. Whole package, done deal. It's all there. So today you have a choice. You can run away from God. It's not a good life. The Bible says the way of the wicked is difficult. Don't go there. It says that if you trust in the Lord, you will be like a tree planted by a river. And your roots will go down deep. And even when the drought comes, you'll still bear fruit. But if you trust in the strength of your flesh, it means the strength of man, the strength of flesh, you'll be like a desert land, like a tumbleweed. That'd be awesome. Who wants to be a tumbleweed? I don't want to tumble no weed. Do you understand? I put my trust in the Lord. According to Psalm 91, that means that in His tower I find refuge. For He is my strength. And He's your strength. And He loves you profusely. So much so that you could never imagine how much He loved you. And if you caught a glimpse, you wouldn't stop crying for a year. 
Because you would be overwhelmed by how much He loves us. The Bible says clearly nothing, not sin, not devils, not demons, nothing could separate us from the love of God. If sin separated us from God, then God would never have been able to speak to anybody in the Old Testament. It was never sin that separated us. It was our guilt and our shame. We were always the ones who ran away because we were afraid of judgment. And now, because He's redeemed us, we don't have to be afraid of judgment anymore. Because there is no judgment. There is only forgiveness. There is only forgiveness of sins. God is not holding your sin against you. Be reconciled to Him. Reconciliation is like a family who was once broken up but has now been brought back together again. This is what God has always wanted for us. Thank you so much for listening to me today. I love every one of you. And I mean it. You are precious to Him. So precious to Him. And if you need prayer for anything, I want the DHTs that were trained to come up because they're also going to pray for you. Because these guys know what the Word of God says. They know they can trust God. Alright? Come on, guys. Line up. If you're sick, and I don't care what kind of sickness you have, and I don't care how many things you have, heaven's lights do not dim just because you have too many illnesses in your body. Okay? I don't care if it's depression. I don't care if it's a physical illness. I don't care if it's an emotional thing. Whatever it is. I want you to let us pray for you. So that Jesus can set you free from what ails you. Who wants to be free? Who wants to be free? Who enjoys living in bondage? Wow, no one. Well done. So everyone wants to be free, even though you didn't put up your hand. Okay, so you all want to be free. So if something is oppressing you, please let us sort it out. Okay? Come on up. Come on up. And if you're not born again, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you can find me before I leave and I'll pray with you. Okay. Line up. Alright guys, guys and guys, girls and girls please. Go for it. Go on. Go, go, go. Okay, listen. I want these guys to pray for you. After they've prayed for you, if you don't feel completely free, you can come find me. I'll pray for you too, okay? Alright. Dude. Pray for this guy. Go pray for this guy. Go, go, go. How can I help you? Cholesterol. <laughs>